Hello and welcome to this week's first episode of the Big Recon on Sports Podcast. I am your host, I am the Big Recon, and this is our football review number three episode coming to you on Thursday night, the 3rd of October, 2019. I First things first, would like to give a shout out to a few special people, one of them being my cat Oliver, who's sitting in front of me as today is his fourth birthday. My sister, Megan, who celebrates 36, I'm that much closer to 40 today, and my Uncle Ed, who is recuperating, and he is now 72. So, lots of family stuff going on today, obviously, but we got a lot of sports stuff to catch up on, including this past weekend, a big, huge win for Ohio State on Saturday. And I cannot express to anyone enough an even bigger win for the Cleveland Browns on Sunday. But I'm going to start my review this way and apologize to the listeners at large of this podcast. I said last week that Ohio State would face their first test on Saturday night against Nebraska. I was dead ass wrong. Nebraska was not the game I envisioned it being. Last year in the horseshoe, Nebraska came in and gave Ohio State everything it could handle. Not so much in Lincoln this year as Justin Fields, J.K. Dobbins, and the Ohio State offense put up a ton of points. And the Buckeye defense, which is rejuvenated this year with Chase Young and Damon Arnett and Jeff Okuda, and of course, Tough Borland anchoring the linebacking core in the middle, they played outstanding. Full disclosure, I only watched the first half on Saturday night, was a little tired, so I went to bed. The game was well in hand. What I saw, I saw an Ohio State team that is out to prove the doubters wrong. A lot of people coming into the season said, what will happen to this team because Urban Meyer is no longer the head coach? They have answered the bell at every stage. Would Justin Fields be able to turn into a starter right away? How does the tune of 23 touchdowns and zero interceptions through the first five games sound for somebody who has never started a college game before the first game this year against Florida Atlantic? Could J.K. Dobbins without Mike Weber carry the load in the backfield? On Saturday night, J.K. Dobbins became the ninth running back in Ohio State history to go over 3,000 rushing yards in a career. As I said before, when he started an opening night three years ago, he became the first true freshman to start the season opener since Maurice Claret did in 2002. The offense was clicking on all cylinders all night. K.J. Hill has been a phenomenal leader in the wide receiver room. To go with Chris Olave and Austin Mack coming off the injury, as I've said, and of course Garrison, the five-star recruit, Young kid, came out of uh, Texas, recommitted himself even after Urban Meyer decided to retire, and he has been phenomenal. This Buckeye team is playing better than anyone could have thought, including me. I thought they would struggle with Nebraska. I thought they would struggle, be honest with you, with FAU a little bit after watching the defense last year. Ryan Day has brought in new defensive coordinators. They had the exodus from Michigan of Madison coming down here. Now, I normally wouldn't like something like that, but Madison has brought a toughness to this defense that we haven't seen in a couple of years. No disrespect to Coach Shiano. 
But he kind of lost a step after the whole Tennessee fiasco and going back to Ohio State and everything else. This is a this is a program out to prove that they weren't just their head coach, that they were a team that can make plays and can do things to disrupt the other team's both offensive and defensive flow at any point in time. But let's get to the reaction from Saturday night out of ESECPNFL. I heard something over the last couple of days watching YouTube clips of Get Up, which I find to be a very entertaining show. So I love Mike Greenberg. Um, I love that Mondays they have Pat McAfee on there, who's one of my new favorite guys. Not only has Herb Street, who people will say is a homer for Ohio State, said he thinks they're the best team in the country, including the fact that they haven't played anyone yet. Paul Feinbaum said that Ohio State, he feels, is the number one team in the country. Of course, he had three SEC teams afterwards. Big shock. But he feels they're the best team in the country because they've looked the best everywhere. This is what shocked me about this. That network has been so pro-SEC for the last, really, almost 15 years that anybody getting any kind of love out of there either had to have a marquee coach or they had to have a signature win, which is why Michigan keeps getting uh, looks at e- by ESPN because they have a marquee coach in Jim Harbaugh. You have signature wins out of teams like Northwestern or Wisconsin And that's why they were getting talk. Ohio State's just going out and played well. This is why they're getting talk. They're the only team in the top 10 in the nation in total defense, scoring defense, total offense, and points per game. They are ranked no lower than 8 in any of those things, and that's in total offense. Ryan Day has come in and been better than I think what anybody else could have thought taking over from Urban Meyer. Bobby Carpenter, former Ohio State linebacker, first-round draft pick in two, um, of the Dallas Cowboys at number 18 overall in 2007, or 2006, excuse me. Um, he said he thinks Ohio State's better without Urban than they were with him. Now, I'm going to put some context on this. Urban Meyer was a phenomenal head coach, but Urban wasn't the play caller. Urban didn't design the defense. Urban didn't... Urban designed his own offense years ago when he was at Bowling Green and then moved to Utah, then to Florida, and then, of course, here to Ohio State. But Urban never had a quarterback like Dwayne Haskins last year. Ryan Day has been designing that offense since the day he got there, leaving the San Francisco 49ers and his old um and his old head coach from college Chip Kelly and coming to Columbus. But what Day has done this year is he has taken Urban's offense because a lot of this is the RPO Urban Meyer special with a running quarterback and he has tailored it to Justin Fields. And Fields has rewarded him by playing some of the best quarterback in the nation. A lot of people are forgetting how good Clemson was last year. 
with Trevor Lawrence because they're not playing well this year, but Clemson lost a lot in the draft. What I'm seeing on social media and a lot of the sports sites that I follow is the conversation now is who's going to end up in the Heisman race. Is it going to be Jalen Hurts, who is setting records at Oklahoma, or is it going to be Justin Fields, who right now is captaining the offense of the most complete team in the country? we got a lot of football left. So I'm going to say this again. I believe this week will be Ohio State's first test. When Big Ten foe Michigan State comes into the horseshoe, they are the Saturday night game of the week again on ESPN and ABC. Uh, I don't believe game day will be in Columbus for this, so Saturday morning really doesn't matter at all. Uh, It's going to be a blackout in the horseshoe. I'm going to pull out my special black Ohio State t-shirt on Saturday. In red lettering it says, actually, the spot was good. Referencing back to that 2016 game against that team up north and the JT Barrett scramble before Curtis Samuel took it across the end zone to win the first ever overtime game in the history of the game. So my overall thing about Ohio State through five weeks is they have been very, very impressive. But they have not been tested. I have said in the podcast and in Facebook Lives that my thing is when you play against a better competition, how do you play? We will see on Saturday how Ohio State prepares and reacts to better competition than they've seen all year because it doesn't get easier from here. Michigan State invades the shoe, and then you have games against Northwestern and Wisconsin coming up as well. It's going to start to get hard, Buckeye Nation. Let's see what the boys are made of. I still expect big things. I still expect a Big Ten championship. I still expect a shot at the playoff. No matter what anybody can throw at this team. That's how good I think they are. So now we're going to go to Sunday. And Sunday was the first game that mattered for the Cleveland Browns. As they went into Baltimore to play the Ravens. Now... I talked last episode about Rex Ryan and how much I love Rex Ryan and kicking down the door and I'm not here to kiss Belichick's rings and two straight AFC championship games and how he got his players to rally for him. And he's very, very good on TV. Well, of course, he called Baker Mayfield overrated. Overrated as hell, excuse me. And then Baker said, if you're not wearing brown and orange, you don't matter. Rex Ryan being the chop buster that he is wore a brown suit with an orange tie on Sunday for ESPN's pregame show he had me laughing when I saw the picture it actually got shared by my sister on Facebook and it was hysterical so the Browns came out and Freddie Kitchens did something that really impressed me on Sunday he went back to his roots now Freddie of course was the quarterback at Alabama Before he became the interim offensive coordinator last year, Freddie Kitchens was a running back coach. So he was in the room with Carlos Hyde and with Nick Chubb and with Duke Johnson last year, and he knows what these guys are capable of. Well, Freddie went back to his roots, and what happened was a phenomenal team win for the Cleveland Browns. On Sunday, the Browns did something they haven't done on the road all year, and that is take the ball. Now, they didn't score 
But it set the tone saying, I trust my offense. I believe in my offensive game plan, and I believe that we will put up points. And boy, did it ever work out. They didn't score in the first drive, and they stopped Baltimore on their first drive, and then the offense took over, methodically marching down the field, ending with a touchdown and taking an early lead, and really never looking back. The Browns in Baltimore beat the Ravens 40-25 to behind a phenomenal performance by not only the Browns' defense, which has been lights out all year, but also Nick Chubb, and I going to spend some more time on Chubb right now. 20 carries, 165 yards, a hat trick of touchdowns, including an 82-yard touch, 88-yard touchdown, excuse me, to really seal the game. This touchdown run reminded me of Ezekiel Elliott's run against Alabama in the Sugar Bowl in 2015. The shirt says 75 yards through the heart of the South. This was 88 yards through the heart of Baltimore. Baker Mayfield, 20 of 30, 350 yards, a touchdown and a pick. Um, Ricky Seals-Jones had a big day of almost 100 yards receiving and the only touchdown Baker threw. Jarvis Landry, eight catches for 150 yards. I mean, what a phenomenal day. But the best part of it, out of all of it, Odell was okay with being the, basically the um, the decoy. I love the way Odell is handling himself. I love how Freddie recommitted to the run. I love how Baker was making better decisions. I love how he was more decisive with the football. The Browns' offense is missing pieces. They do not have a good pass-blocking offensive line. They are without their borderline Pro Bowl tight end in David Njoku. Jarvis was in concussion protocol, and, well, we don't know if he's playing on Monday night yet. What we saw from the Browns' offense was a sneak peek at what it can be against a very good Baltimore defense. But what continues to impress me, above and beyond any of the flashiness of the Cleveland Browns offense, is the nastiness of that Cleveland Browns defense. Miles Garrett is an absolute insane football player. And when you have to game plan for him, you can't game plan for guys like Olivier Vernon, Larry Ogunjobi, Sheldon Richardson. The defensive line is the heart and soul of this defense. And then you back it up with Sione Takitaki and Mac Wilson and Joe Schobert in that second level in the linebackers. The front seven is very, very good. And then you think about Baltimore coming into this game. Number one ranked offense in the NFL was held to 25 points and seven of them were in garbage time. Oh, by the way, they still did not have Greedy or Denzel Ward in this game. Hollywood Brown couldn't get off the line of scrimmage. The tight ends were taken out by the safeties and linebackers. The defensive line got in Lamar's face. They sacked him four times. This was a phenomenal job by the front seven because not only... 
did they sack Lamar four times? They didn't run. Lamar couldn't get outside the pocket. As much as he says he wants to throw the ball, Lamar is a runner. He's a running back with an arm. If Braxton Miller wouldn't have switched to wide receiver, this is what we would be seeing in Braxton Miller if he would have gotten a shot to play quarterback in the NFL. Doesn't get any easier. Browns go out to San Francisco on Monday Night Football this week. The extra day, I believe, will help. It'll get some of these guys healthy. Hopefully we can have Greedy and uh, Denzel Ward. Hopefully Jarvis can get through the concussion protocol and be in the lineup because his presence is huge. As good as the other wide receivers can be, and we get Callaway back on Monday night, Jarvis and Odell as a tandem has always been very fun to watch. But the Browns are going into a situation where the San Francisco 49ers have an elite pass rusher in newly drafted Nick Bosa out of Ohio State. This is going to be another test for that Browns offensive line, which I compared to a cheesecloth two weeks ago or last week, one of the two. Let's see how Monday night shakes out. They haven't gotten into the division schedule yet outside of this Baltimore game, but they do have games coming up with Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. Uh, Baltimore is again toward the end of the season. That game's in Cleveland. Uh, Seattle's coming up. New England is coming up. The Browns are in a spot where they can start proving to people they're as good as people thought they were going to be. When I picked the Browns to go 10-6... and six, in the back of my mind, I said, if they can beat New England, they'll go 11-5. and five. So I think they're going to win Monday night. Um, I think it will be another defensive showing. Garoppolo and the 49ers offense has not faced a defense like this yet. But at the same time, they have to block Nick Bosa on the other side. And they have to run the football. Nick Chubb has to be the focal point of the offense with guys like Odell and Jarvis and Ricky Seals-Jones, and even Callaway being the fringe pieces. I'd like to see him use um, Harris in the red zone more as well. I think he's a piece that they haven't really used yet. It's a big former basketball player, kind of like an Antonio Gates type, where he can go up and get a jump ball better than most guys because he did jump for a living. Well, not really for a living. He went to Wisconsin-Milwaukee in college. So big games. Again, Michigan State, Saturday night. Uh, first test, Lewerke's healthy. The Michigan State defense has played well. Uh, this will be a test for Ohio State. Let's see how they respond in the blackout in the shoe. Monday night in the Bay Area, you have at Levi's Stadium, the Browns playing San Francisco. Let's see how good Jimmy G is getting away from people after the torn ACL last year. Again, hasn't really faced an elite pass rush yet, but Miles Garrett brings the elite pass rush every single time he touches the field. So I said at the beginning, this is episode one for this week for the Big Recon on Sports. As this weekend, I will go in-depth on the 2019 New York Mets season. A season of near misses, record-setting performances, possible second consecutive major awards for a player, and today, the news that the Mets have let Mickey Calloway go and that they also will retain the services of both Noah Syndergaard 
and Edwin Diaz for next year. Lots to go over, including the managerial search. That's going to be sometime this weekend. We're going to get to that. Um, quick thing on the playoffs. I'm not going to do a full playoff preview. Um, especially since there's a great part of me that doesn't care. But there's another great part of me that it's baseball season still, so i got to be in on it. So real quick, I like the Dodgers to beat the Nationals. I like the Braves to beat the um, Cardinals. I like the Dodgers for the third year in a row to go to the World Series because the Dodgers have better pitching than Atlanta, Dallas Keuchel notwithstanding. In the American League, I like Houston over Tampa Bay. I like the Yankees over the Twins. I like Houston over the Yankees in a very quick series because of the high strikeout lineup of the New York Yankees and the sixth staff of the Houston Astros. And for the second time in three years, I think the Dodgers will lose the World Series to the Houston Astros. Uh, Verlander, Granke, Cole, Miley, they're just going to be too much. So I got Houston winning the World Series. I will do a hot stove and I will do a award show for Major League Baseball in the next com- couple weeks. As always, Big Recon can be found on Google, Anchor, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Breaker. And you found on Facebook, Big Recon on Sports. Be found on YouTube, the Big Recon on Sports. Have a wonderful weekend. I will come at you later with the Mets episode. Go Bucks!